Hi and welcome to the Racial Introductions podcast. From ancient Greece to branding, globalisation to Homer and logic to fashion, we'll showcase a concise and dynamic insight into a range of diverse topics for wherever your curiosity may lead you. So here is today's very short introduction. This is Walter Friedman. I'm a historian at Harvard Business School and I wrote a very short introduction to American business history. The book traces the rise of business in the United States from the arrival of European merchants in the 16th and 17th centuries through to the founding of today's tech giants in Seattle and Silicon Valley. I became interested in the subject both because it seemed important to telling the story of America's power in the world, it has the world's largest economy, but also to understanding its culture and society. Even in the late 19th century, writers were talking about the influence of business on nearly every aspect of American life. In the 1930s, a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian described the United States as a business civilization a situation he thought was unique in history, where business affected the economic, religious, political, and intellectual life of a country. What are some of the distinguishing characteristics of the history of American business? I thought for this podcast I'd list 10, living in rough chronological order. One, the founding of the North American European colonies was conducted by businesses, joint stock companies, like the Virginia Company, established in 1606 with the goal of creating trading settlements in North America, and the Massachusetts Bay Company, chartered in 1629. Capitalism came in the first ships, said the historian Carl Degler. Two, the U.S. government, both state and federal, played an important role in setting terms for an early developing economy. The Constitution, for instance, which came into effect in 1789, created a sizable domestic marketplace by ending tariffs between states. State governments, too, often working through public and private corporations, sponsored internal improvements like canals and roads. Three, early companies in the United States flourished by harvesting nature in the soil, waters, and forests. By, for instance, the growth and sale of tobacco, the hunting of whales for their oil, oil that then went on to light the streets of Boston and London, and the trapping of animals, beavers, seals, lynx, for their fur. One of America's first business titans was John Jacob Astor, who did just that with Astor's Fur Company. These business people turned nature into commodities. Four, for a country often equated with freedom, the U.S. economy depended to a significant degree on enslaved labor. Slaves were brought from Africa to English North American colonies in 1619 by Dutch traders. Though the importation of slaves stopped in 1808, the population of enslaved laborers only increased. Southern industry and southern plantations especially depended on this brutal system in the growth of cotton, America's largest export commodity in the first half of the 19th century. This fueled the rise of the textile industry in New England and supplied Liverpool. Slavery was not eradicated until the end of the Civil War in 1865. Five. Modern businesses really took off with the rise of American railroads. This is true for many reasons. In finance, railroads helped spark the growth of the U.S. stock exchanges, especially in New York. As the building of railroads drew investors from Europe and elsewhere, the coming of railroads also marked changes in management because they were so complicated to run and operated over such vast distances. Railroads inspired organizational charts and the coming of professional managers. Their biggest innovations were in trade, of course, They offered dependable, all-year-round, fast trade. They brought the rise of mail-order catalogs and department stores. They shifted the flow of business in the country 
previously from north to south along the Mississippi and other rivers to east to west along railroad lines. Six, by the late 19th century, the U.S. became the world's largest agricultural and industrial producer. This was due in part to the massive firms that were created in this period and produced in great scale in industries like light, heat, and metals, and in agricultural products. John D. Rockefeller's Standard Oil, Andrew Carnegie's Carnegie Steel, James Buchanan Duke's American Tobacco Company, and many other firms in meatpacking, aluminum, office equipment, and others dominated their industries. The historian Alfred Chandler remarked that these firms were distinguished by their scale and hierarchy. Middle managers had come to replace the invisible hand of Adam Smith, that is the market, with a visible hand, that is management. Seven, in the early 20th century, as per capita income was increasing, American companies turned their attention to consumers. There were many new consumer items offered in this period. Coca-Cola, Hoover vacuums, RCA radios, Frigidaire refrigerators, the biggest industry serving consumers was automobiles, with Henry Ford introducing the Model T, which he sold from 1908 to 1927. One of Ford's great innovations was that as the car became cheaper, it also became technically better. More in line with the consumer-oriented times was Ford's rival, Alfred Sloan at General Motors, who segmented the market in terms of customer wealth and preference, from Cadillac for the wealthy, then down to Buick, Oldsmobile, Pontiac, and Chevrolet car that he had sold door-to-door -to, -door to compete with Ford's Model T. In creating these segmented brands and annual models, Sloan said he had followed the strategy of the Paris dressmakers. 8. For a country that celebrates markets, the U.S. government played a significant role in reshaping American industry in the years from the Depression through World War II. Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal and his wartime mobilization efforts brought a rebuilding of the nation's infrastructure with new roads, bridges and schools, and new rights for organized labor. The Tennessee Valley Authority, a federally owned corporation created in 1933, provided electricity to Tennessee and parts of Alabama, Mississippi, and Kentucky, and other states. Wartime mobilization, which was directed in part by executives from Sears, also helped grow in public-private partnership industries like aviation and companies like Boeing and McDonnell Douglas. Nine. The golden age of American business were the decades after World War II, when, for a period, the firms of Europe and Japan were rebuilding. American companies in cars, electronic goods, and in foods went overseas. American breakfast cereal makers like Kellogg and Post grew through TV advertising, and fast food franchises like McDonald's were started across the country. American consulting companies like McKinsey went overseas to teach foreign companies American managerial practices. A famous book from the period, Organization Man in 1956, criticized the way American companies had come to prize conformity and loyalty, warning that these big bureaucratic companies threatened innovation. Soon enough, European and Japanese firms like Volkswagen, Toyota, and Sony were gaining market share in the U.S. Ten. As American companies in some established industries like automobiles and consumer electronics were facing increased international competition, innovative companies in new industries, like many computers, were growing, first on the East Coast, especially around Boston, with many computers at Digital and Wang, but then on the West Coast, with Microsoft and Apple and the rise of PCs. The internet, too, brought a rush of new companies 
many of them failing in a dot-com bubble in the 1990s, but others enduring to become leading multinationals like Amazon, founded in 1994, Google in 1998, and Salesforce in 1999. Thinking through these 10 things, the story of American business is one of reinvention. This is evident in New Bedford and the whaling industry, Pittsburgh in iron and steel, Chicago in meatpacking, Detroit in automobiles, San Francisco and Seattle in computers and other aspects of IT. Each of these regions developed large businesses that were then surrounded by a range of specialized suppliers, financial supporters, and training programs. But the question is, will American business continue to evolve? It faces so many challenges today, growing global competition, rising income inequality, social protests over businesses' continuing lack of racial and gender equality. This is also not to mention global warming. How will American business respond? These challenges, domestic and global in nature, will test the vitality, credibility, and effectiveness of U.S. business for the decades to come. Will American business be reinvented yet again? Thank you for listening to Season 2 of the Very Short Instructions podcast. Please stay tuned as we will be back with new episodes in October. In the meantime, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to receive all of our episodes directly in your podcast feed. The Very Short Instructions podcast can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic.